What's up, church planters and church planting enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? Well, actually, Matt's not here because I'm recording this after the fact because this is part two of our episode with Seba Vasquez. We had an incredible interview with him. We went ahead and broke it up into two parts. So this is part two. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, I'd encourage you to go listen to last week's episode so that you can get caught up and then you can enjoy this one. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planters. So whether you are a lead church planter, you're on a church planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. I hope you enjoy part two of this interview with Seba Vasquez. So Seba, what should a um, you know church planter is listening or a pastor uh, do if, if maybe he's listening to this podcast today and he's thinking, well, you know, right now the situation in my church is that me and my wife are the only disciple makers. Nobody else is making disciples. Uh, and maybe, you know, they've, they've got some new people uh, coming to their church and he's running out of time on his calendar. He doesn't even know, you know, I can't keep track of these people and he wants to invest in them and wants to meet up. What does he do? What, what, what would you recommend? Uh, what are the first steps that planter or pastor you need to take to kind of get yourself out of this situation? Well, I think it's where we started. Let's define disciple making as a, a church plant and let's talk about it and let's let all of our people know exactly what we mean by it. And then let's pick a pathway and find out where people are on it and just challenge them to take the next step. And then let's also in our own minds clearly define what what does a person need to be in order to be a disciple maker? What's the standard? And so I like using 2 Timothy 2.2 as that. I know we talk about that with multiplication, but when Paul is talking to Timothy, he says, you know, entrust these things to faithful men. So you're just looking for faithful yeah. people. You know, you're, you're not looking for professionals. You're not looking for seminary degrees. You're just looking for faithful people. And to me, that means faithful in that they're trying to be Christ-like. So their character has to be faithful. I think they have to be committed to the process. They have to want to do it. But they have to be competent, too. But the, here's the really cool part. Competency can be manipulated by what you're asking them to do. You give someone a really hard task, they have to have a very high competency level. You give someone an easy task, they just need a very low competency level. So that's the one that you can play around with. And I think that's the one that pastors sometimes use as the biggest optical, like this person doesn't know what to do. Well, give them something easy to do. Yeah. Um, give them a simple task. Just as long as that person is you know, Christ-like and committed, you can't take shortcuts on those two. Mm. But you can definitely change around what competency level is needed to make disciples. And that's why, you know, we use the worksheets that we do because all you do is you, you, you click them, you print them and you read them together, you explore them. You know, there's not a lot needed in order to do that with somebody. And you can train someone, the, the people in your church, how to do that. But you can't, again, take shortcuts on, are they committed to Christ and are they committed to the process? Yeah. Uh, but the competency, man, just let the floodgates open with that by picking easy things for them to do and then trusting. And also realizing first-gen stuff, like whenever you're starting something, it's always a little bit messy and you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And thank God we have the Holy Spirit because he's in charge of that, right? That's right. Man, I, you know, listening to you, I, I think uh, if there's pastors, which there are listening to us and, and church planners are listening to us, I think I thought about uh, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, and there's there's a lot of good things in there. But he says you got to examine the the cold hard facts. He calls them the cold hard facts, and I would say 
pastor, don't turn a blind eye to this. Don't think that you can just keep on. Don't think you can preach a sermon series on discipleship and it's going to fix all your church's problems. You have to roll up your sleeves and you're going to have to start. I would just say, these are probably more marching orders, but I would say you have to start with, first of all, ask the Holy Spirit, who can I start to pour into right now that will make disciples? How Mm -hmm. can we get this ship turned around Mm -hmm. in the other direction? And man, and there's, there's some churches, especially listeners in like the deep South or in the Bible belt, there are some churches that it's going to take years and you're going to be the first step in getting that thing going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So, so man, don't, don't grow weary in doing good. Can I say something to that? Absolutely. Pastor, you have got to stop wasting so much of your time chasing goats. You've got to find the sheep, the ones that are teachable and humble. And the, yeah. most, the most valuable investment of your time is investing yeah. the best of your time into those who are faithful men. You've yeah. got to find faithful men who will in turn be able to teach others also. I see so many guys in ministry who spend all their time trying to convince disobedient people to be obedient. And ultimately, you can't convince them to do that. Yeah. Only the Spirit of God can. And so you want to look for the people who are already showing a, you know, fruit, right? They want yeah. to obey. There's a desire and a willingness to want to follow Jesus, to make disciples. And then you want to invest into them and then you can multiply yourself. And now all of a sudden you, you have more capable shepherds who are maybe able to shepherd some of these yeah. wayward sheep or maybe ever uh, be able to kind of track down some of these yeah. runaway goats. And I, I can hear the pushback already, Jared, you know, like, well, that's coming from, you know, like three apostles types you know it's like they're planting and multiplying mm-hmm. but but man the, nowhere in scripture does it say that shepherds jesus never chased after people jesus never said to the rich younger hey whoa, whoa, whoa hey come back I'll, I'll lower the standards he never does that no. and and i think when we're talking about making disciples and creating disciple making culture you've got it pastor you've got to start with the people who the spirit is is making uncomfortable who the spirit is saying you know, I've saved you for more than this. Mm-hmm. I've saved you more than just to go to church or or go to a Sunday school class or go to even a life group or community group in the week. Yeah. I've I've created you to make disciples. Yeah. And you've got to start with those people. And if you faithfully start to pray and fast, God's gonna bring those people to you. Yeah. And uh but you can't blind you can't turn a blind eye to it. Yeah, and I I also think it's important to um have a conversation with people and make them realize that they're already making disciples, maybe unintentionally. You know, any Christian with influence is pointing to others like, this is how you follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you might not realize that, like, w- when people know you're a Christian and they look at your life, they're saying, well, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And that can be a really dangerous thing if you're not doing it intentionally and with some direction, yeah. um, because you could be pointing them the wrong way. And so it's kind of like already talking to people, look, you're already kind of being an influence for Jesus in the world anyway. Let's do it intentionally. Let's do it well. Let me train you how to do it in a way that makes sense instead of just doing it accidentally and sometimes to people's detriment because you're, you're not modeling well. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that, Saber, because... I think I think too we're talking about two different things. Like Jared and I are talking about people who are just like not doing it and you're talking about people who they want to do it, right? Like they're they're engaged, like they're they're trying to tell people about Christ and they're showing love of they're they're asking their coworkers, "Hey, listen, can I pray for you?" or you're going through this and stuff like that. And you're saying 
come alongside those people and say, let me show you a path. Let mm-hmm. me show you a plan mm-hmm. on how to disciple that coworker. So man, that's well, good insight. Well, even the people who aren't doing it, you have to show them you're teaching people that disciples yeah. of Jesus don't make disciples. That's good. Amen. And you've got to remind them of that and, and say, that's something you'll, you know, you ultimately will answer for, you're like you're, you're modeling. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So it, they're already doing it. You just got to get them to do it well. And and so I think there's a lot of more disciple makers in our church than we realize. Oh, yeah. um, it's just about it, it, putting them on a track and equipping them. Oh, yeah. And you'll find them through this process. You know, uh, our friend Troy Cooper uh, always says discipleship is the filter. Right. And so yeah. uh, you're going to quickly find out who's about it and who's not uh, just when you, you know, put to get put this pathway on and see who wants to really walk down this pathway, because there is a sense in which you've got to die to self, you know, to to be discipled. Uh, you know, there's actual goal setting right in there. And there's yeah. actual expectations for like, hey, we're going to learn some awesome stuff and we're going to read the word of God together. But then you're going to be expected to obey what you see in the Bible. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to actually ask you about it next week. And we're going to actually learn how to share our faith with other people because that's what Christians do. And people who don't really want to follow Jesus, ultimately, they're not going to stick around for that and they're not going to continue in it. Uh, But but you will find, say, like like you said, I believe that there are a lot more disciple makers in every single church than we realize. And there's people who really want it. They just need some clarity. They need some direction and they need somebody to show them the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that like a when we're, we're talking to people, we just realize uh, this is their destiny to be a disciple maker in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not going to you know, cast them aside because yeah. they just don't seem like the sharpest tool in the shed you know, right now. Yeah. But, but ultimately, they can be trained to do it. And um, it's what we all are destined to do, right? And don't discount, I don't think, either the when you're thinking about if you're just getting started with this, the power of casting that vision to your people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like looking like like go get coffee and sit across the table from them and say, Hey, I see potential in you. I believe that God wants to work in and through you. I believe that he's going to use you to be an incredible disciple maker. Who's Mm going to impact many lives. Are you, can I, will you let me take you on that journey? Will you let me help you get there? Because that's God's will for your life. I believe that's God's call on your life. Let me help you get there. And when you speak that into people's lives, that's powerful, man. Absolutely. It's powerful. You know, man, there's some people who are waiting for permission to, surprisingly, they're like, I didn't know that. I, you know, you, you would let me do this. And, you know, that's the moments as a leader, you're just banging your head against the wall saying, oh my gosh, why didn't we talk earlier? Yeah. Yeah, we got to release people, right? We got to release people to be on mission. I'll just, I'll I'll say this because this just happened recently. So our listeners always, one thing that we're passionate about, I feel like in this podcast is we always want to give like both sides. We want to say like, this is not just, we're struggling with this, you know, and it, we're rolling this out and we're doing our very best, but it's not always easy, right? There's a lot of challenges and there's a lot of trials with it. Yeah. I agree. Like when you just sit across from the table from somebody and say, you can do this a, because the spirit says you can. And, you know, um, B, because I just see potential in you to do this. And there's a lot of power in that, but if you're planting churches, you also, and you begin to, or your pastor, and you begin to implement the disciple making culture, you also need to understand that some people are just not going to be on board. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, my wife, Erica, who's a prolific disciple maker, she sat across from somebody and did that very same thing. And the person just said, 
no, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> so, it's, well, yeah, you should yeah. probably go to the church down the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, it, that's me. And so you're like, um, well, okay, you know, and so I think one of the, just as a side note, I think one of the, I think one of the best things church, one of the greatest things church planners can develop is thick skin. Yeah. Just to, to yeah. hear somebody tell you no, to hear somebody reject you, to hear somebody say, I'm not interested in that. Hey, can I just tell you, it's good mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. to develop that characteristic because so many church planners think like everything's going to go great and they, they don't even ask the question because they're, they, I see this all the time, bro, in fundraising. They don't even ask for resources. Well, because they're, they, they could tell me no and I don't want to come off as greedy asking for money and it's like, I wouldn't even partner with you. Yeah. You know, because you, you're not asking. You're so afraid to ask. And we're so afraid to ask because we're afraid we're going to be rejected. You know what, though, dude? I'd rather have somebody just straight up tell me no than me tell too. me yes, and then they don't do yeah, it. Me That's too. what's yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was consulting with a church uh, last week, and I was telling them that you have to believe in something enough to lose people for. That's right. Right? And um, That's vision, and, by the way. Yeah, and what I was telling them was, like, you're going to lose people for the moves you make, and for the moves you don't make and you might as well lose people for what you believe in, you know, lose them because you're doing something you really think is important, like discipleship, um, because you're never going to make everybody happy. And and you guys know that you got to believe in something enough to lose people for. That's so good, man. Yeah. That's gold, man. Wow. Yeah. man. that's, that's, that's such a, I know we're talking about discipleship and disciple making, but obviously all this stuff runs together with what we're called to do. And and I just think, man, that's so much. That's just a vision thing, right there, man. Yep. You know, this we're not talking about. This is not what you said earlier. This is not a program you do in your church. This is why we start churches. This is what we're supposed to be about. And yeah. so it's not. If you're listening, to this is like, well, maybe I should implement some of these things. No, like your church should be about making disciples. And if you're not about making disciples, we need to reevaluate and reexamine what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and church planner, having your definitions and your pathway and your process down before you get started is a lot easier than trying to inject oh, them in man. afterwards. Boy, because uh, truth. yeah, it's hard, harder to train your people on something new than just to have it from the beginning. So yep. just taking the time to learn a good process, how to make disciples in your culture, in your context is so important. Hey, listen, I, I, we would be amiss not to bring this up. I know we're going long today, but this is such good we may, stuff. We may end up turning this into two episodes, yeah, we, honestly, because yeah. if we go a little bit longer. Yeah, but but this stuff, is, right. this stuff is so good, man. Uh, okay, so Jared is in South Oshawa, which leads like the province of Ontario for like Teenage pregnancy, a lot of drugs, a lot of uh, sexual sins, all kinds of stuff going on here. Mental health issues. Poverty. Poverty. Saba, uh, fresh out of seminary or in seminary, rather, pastored a church with a high, basically his congregation were previous, a lot of convicted felons coming out of prison. So yep. I, I think we would just be amiss, guys, not to talk about your context and, and how you make disciples, because the one thing we say all the time at Fellowship Pickering and in the Fellowships Network is this. Two things. First of all, disciple making is messy. 
It is extremely, extremely messy. And second of all, you should constantly be in stories as a disciple maker. If you don't have, it it is the trademark of a true disciple maker. If if you can't point to stories that you're currently in, you're not making disciples in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, so speak to the messiness. I I have a million stories. I feel like my wife and I could, could talk about the messiness of making disciples, but I know there's listeners out there that are like, yeah, but they don't know my context. And I think that we would be amiss not to not to speak into that. So, Sable, why don't you start, man? Tell us a little about how you made disciples in that environment. Well, I mean, again, it's it's starting by asking people where they are. You know, are they interested in talking? Can we move forward? And just um, you taking the reality of the four soils with you that you want one in four make it. I think you guys addressed that in another podcast that. You know, according to scripture there, like only one of those soils actually produces something. And and just knowing that you can't necessarily um, – you, you can't blame the process of discipleship for some people falling away. Yeah. I mean, look at the time that Jesus had discipling Peter uh, throughout his life and how many ups and downs he went through. I mean, most disciple makers would have quit on Peter – right away. And he turns um, the keys over to him. Mm-hmm. That's the part right. that always just blows me away. He gives him the keys to the whole thing. Yeah. And, and the thing was that Peter kept coming back and was willing to keep trying at it, you know, yeah, keep, keep right. going. And as long as they're willing to keep pedaling, you know, you have to be willing to help them ride the bike. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I think it's important. We've had a, a lot of people that we thought were at the cusp of being disciple makers, and then there were some setbacks in their life, and and now they're back on track. and And welcome to humanity. Yeah. You know that that's what it looked like when Peter discipled. I mean, Jesus discipled Peter. It's going to look like w- when you're discipling some people in your context, and you have to understand that you know it's a long story, it's a long arc, and you want these people going in the right direction. And the starting points are really the messy things, right? Mm. Like where you find people whether it's some kind of addiction or just a um, really sinful lifestyle or, or anything, these are the messy things. But man, when the direction is towards Christ, you just start to see those things melt away. You start to see people, you know, break free from stuff. Um, but at the same time, you see gr- regression sometimes because That's scripture right. tells you, you will. Yeah. And, um, and you have to be ready for that. And then there's sometimes too, where it's really important to end the discipleship relationship and say, you know what, I don't think I'm the one that's going to lead you. Someone else might Ooh, be able to good. do that right there. Um, yeah. Especially if they're not the person you're discipling is, mm-hmm. is not into the process. Maybe there's other, someone else that come in and push some different buttons, but for the most part, it's just something you have to realize that this is as messy as finding a newborn on the street and bringing that newborn home. Yeah. You know, Think about how that would wreck your life. It completely change everything. That's what disciple making is. Um, we try to make parts of it like what information to give as easy as possible. You know, read this worksheet, spend some time together. But the reality is the relationship wrecks your life because you love that person. You, you want to see them move forward. And sometimes they do well. Sometimes they do poorly. But you understand that it's the Holy Spirit that's investing in them and growing in them and using you. But it's not all on you. So, Seba, you, you, you told us about you, – uh, you, you've told me so many of those crazy stories, man, when you guys were – when you were pastoring that church. Tell, tell our listeners one story, man, that of messiness in that, in that context. You know, I just hope none of them are listening. They're not listening, so. man. <laughs> well, I mean, we just had – I remember a couple coming in, and, and it's a couple that I married, and um, – you know, I, I was discipling one of the guys, and this is actually before I really knew how to even disciple people. 
and the the guy comes in and and you know they had a big fight and I'm like what's this fight about and they and he said well you know it's like our anniversary so we decided to do a threesome <laughs> I said um yeah I don't think that he okay. just looked at me and he said come on pastor even you would do a threesome and I said no I don't, oh, I don't think I would sir oh, and uh <laughs> man it it was just one of those yeah. things where like that's the kind of that's right context we were in yeah wow and, and, um, and you're like did did i miss something when i shared the yeah. gospel with these people <laughs> yeah and you know can i just tell you the truth about that story that's so sad is that yeah the, immediately what i went back to is was like man i just preached on this a little oh. while ago about holiness Whew. about you know taking those next steps and and in oh. my heart because i thought the main tool of sanctification in their life was my preaching Whew. that I just went back and said, hey, weren't you there April 12th when we went over this? Yeah. And I didn't realize like how much more it takes to uh, to walk with people. Or another one that's maybe a little cleaner that won't get edited is we went to a, uh, a, a, I'm not a couple's house. I'm not editing well, it. I remember we went to a, a couple's house and they were so happy to see us. Oh, um, like yeah. we, we went on visitation on a Sunday night and they were like, man, this is, this is so great that you're here, pastor. Thanks for coming. And we, can you come inside and have some drinks with us? And, and like me and my co-pastor who was as green as I was, cause we were both in seminary yeah. went in there and we just thought we had the most fantastic visit. Everybody's laughing and telling old stories. And so I get a knock on the door the next day though, of the husband who's like, pastor, I understand that maybe you were in my house last night. And I was like, well, yeah, we had a great time. And he says, well, pastor, my wife and I are, are, are addicts and, and we were high as a kite right then. And we, did we do anything inappropriate? (laughs) We were like, no, no. In fact, it was a great visit. We thought it went really well. I thought you guys were in a great (laughs) mood. (laughs) Which just shows you like, there is this la la land that sometimes preachers are in when we don't really get to know our people and we don't really ask them where they are. Well, and we just assume that we know. But man, isn't, we, you just not said that about the couple that is obviously inebriated and stuff. I just, man, I, I just thought about, isn't that what Christ did? Like he, he just like invaded that messiness and that garbage and all that, the, the, that, that sin in our lives. And he came anyways, in spite of all that. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing to me, mm-hmm. you know, that imagery of, of, you know, whether, <laughs> whether you were high or doing things sexually inappropriate or whatever. I mean, Christ just, you know, he invaded that to the mm-hmm. power of the Holy Spirit, man. Yeah. John six forty four it's just insane. You know, say, but one of the things wow. that you said that I think is so good for every pastor out there to hear is that, it's not going to be primarily through our preaching that disciples are going to get yeah. made. It's not that preaching is not important. We, you, you, listen to our episode uh, on preaching in an unchurched context, and you'll know how important and how serious Matt and I take yeah. preaching. But I have realized that a lot of guys, including myself in the past, we will lean on preaching as a way to get out of the difficult conversations that yeah. we need to have. And we'll be, and we'll say the bold things from the pulpit. Mm. But when it comes to sitting down face to face, 
across the table from somebody, we can't bring ourselves to say what needs to be said. And what I found is that every time I have those difficult conversations and I th- I say the thing that I know is going to going to wound a little bit, but I know it needs to be said, it's led to breakthrough in that person's life. Just last yeah. week, we've got uh, somebody, I'm not going to, you know, really get into detail about sure. what it was, but I had to, uh, somebody that's been walking with us for a while and she's really growing. And, and I felt like there was something there though, that she was just not really giving up something she was still clinging on to. And I basically, uh, in so many words, just looked at her and I said, Hey, I want you to know, I love you, but this thing that you're hoping for, it's not going to happen. Like it, it's a myth. This thing that you're hoping is going to bring this, it's a myth and it's not going to happen. And it kind of took her back. Uh, but it was a breakthrough moment for her. Uh, she yeah. realized afterwards, like it was huge because nobody had ever said that to her. Nobody had ever actually out and out just said, bam, here it is on the table. Yeah. You know, and I think we, if we would just have those conversations, man, I think we would see people really take that next step and, and get over some of those barriers and hurdles that are keeping them from taking those next steps in sanctification. I think that we, we confuse sometimes uh, proclamation with Sunday morning preaching. You know, what's powerful is proclamation, that's, and that can happen on Sunday morning. Right there, what you just said. Um, that's that, can, that can happen in your small group, and that can happen in a personal discipleship relationship where you proclaim the truth in someone's life. Yep. And, and that's really powerful, um, you know, coming on multiple levels. And sometimes you remember a lot more of those difficult conversations. If you've had that story where, where, you know, someone confronted you, you remember that proclamation across the table from someone more than the one coming from the oh, pulpit. Yeah, Man, but, 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 but I would just say this, none of that happens if you're not in relationship. That's right. If you're not, people cannot speak those things. They cannot speak truths into your life. If you're not in relationship, yep. if you, 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 I can't go into your circles of influence and say, you know, man, I just see these things in your life. Right. But you can, and you can't come into my circles of influence and do the same with the people that, that, that I have the privilege to do life with. And so I think that that's powerful. The- Maybe the hard part is like if you're trying to get everybody to be a disciple maker, well, does everybody have the kind of wisdom to make that proclamation to other people's life? Well, probably not. But that's why yeah. Scripture also gives us a, a nice little format, right? It says if you see a brother sinning, go to him, take a witness, then take it to the church. You know, if, if they can't handle right. like what needs to be said, there is a process yeah. um, for that of coming back to pastoral leadership. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the proclamation that a disciple maker makes into their disciple's life is is so much more meaningful then sometimes we realize and, and we think it's always on Sunday morning, but it, it's really about your mentors or your disciple makers, uh, you know, words that, that just pierce you. Yeah. You, you know, the reason why I just felt led to bring up the messiness of disciple making is because, you know, we try so oftentimes we try to fit everything in a tight, neat little box and, you know, put a ribbon on it and say, oh, all right, you're a disciple, you know, and go do the same and stuff like that. But man, church planning has just taught me so much. But it's taught me that if you're really going to be in relationship with people and you're really going to make disciples, man, it's 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 going to be messy. And you, you got to kind of put your head down and lean into that mess. And you have to you have to allow the Holy Spirit um, to 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 guide you and direct you in those seasons, man. And you can't you're not doing anybody any good like pastor, church planner, anybody listening to this. If you're making disciples, you're not doing anybody a good if you just stay away from controversial issues, if you stay away from sin pitfalls in that person, you're discipling his life. If you don't address those things and you just think, Oh, they'll go away. 
Like when we say the Holy Spirit is the greatest disciple maker of all time, that is not an excuse for you as a disciple maker not to deal with with uh, issues that you see arise in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And personal discipleship also, I just wanted to say, is not a substitute for the counseling that some people need. Yes. Um, like they need personal discipleship in their life, but it doesn't replace sometimes the pastoral professional counseling that yep. some people need for some issues. And you have to train your disciple makers to to kind of understand the difference. Like, hey, if some serious issues come up, keep discipling them in the basics of the faith. But let's bring alongside some counseling for that person, too, that can really address those issues, because people will feel like way um, overwhelmed yeah. if they have to address every sure. every issue that comes up and issues come up. You know, when we first started making disciples, uh, uh, like seriously in, in personal discipleship, we just had all these incredibly messy issues come up. And I thought, wow, we've, we've got some really messed up people. Yeah. And what I realized is we don't, this is just life. And right. I had, I'd never dug or scratched past the surface before yeah. in my ministry, um, way back when yeah. I, I just didn't see it because I wasn't looking for it because I was just kind of, had that idea of, hey, let's preach, let's invite people to church. As long as they're coming, everything's okay. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a, a real eye-opener for us that we've just never dug this deep into people's life. Yeah, you know, just as we start to wrap up, man, you know you know what's so beautiful, too, about making disciples? is You sit across from people and you see that they deal with depression, that they deal with anxiety, that they wrestle idols. And you start to feel not alone. And you're like, okay, you know what? Like we all got problems, man. We got, we all have issues. And then you start to realize we can be very plastic in the church in North America. Mm -hmm. We put on these facades and it's not holy. It's not godly. It's very fake. And we have to fight against that temptation to try to present instead of being authentic. That's right. Well, let's, um, what I want to kind of do is kind of end our time, uh, talking about this. We could probably keep going for, for a couple more hours. We've already made two episodes out of this and I'm excited about that. I'm I'm hoping this will be beneficial to people, but I want to kind of, uh, just end on some concrete examples. So, uh, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to the nitty gritty and, and really kind of, um, talk about next steps for guys that are listening. So I know, uh, first of all, uh, Sable, like you alluded to earlier, we need to, uh, first of all, get our pathway down, right? Yeah. Uh, we need to know, okay, let's define discipleship. Uh, and I think that would be important for just a pastor to do, like mm-hmm. actually put it down on paper and then disseminate that to your church, right? So, and, and start talking about it, uh, use it in your sermons, use it when you're, you know, welcoming people in the morning, whatever, like just start making it common language uh, where your people just start to know it intuitively that this is what a disciple is here. And this is yeah. how we make disciples. We always say, don't make it staff room talk, make it lobby talk. Yeah, lobby talk, yeah. good stuff. Yeah, so, and then and then the pathway. So whether it's stages or whether it's another pathway, as long as you've got a clear uh, pathway, and if you're interested in stages, by the way, uh, www.disciplemakingstages.com, uh, and there's also, you can contact Saba from that website. He'd be happy to answer uh, any questions, or you can uh, contact myself or Matt, and uh, our email address is going to be in the show notes, and so you can contact us, and I'll put Saba's email address and a link to the uh, disciple making stages website there in the show notes as well. Um, so, you know, picking that pathway 
And then just getting started, you know, I know what we do for new believers is uh, we've kind of, you know, we've, what's cool about stages is that you can integrate all sorts of things in. It's kind of like the, it's the structure, right? But then you can, for your lesson, you know, for the material that you're going through, uh, you can go through a book of the Bible together. You can go through a book, like one of the books we take new believers through a lot is The Walk, um, where you can do, there's different lessons on disciplemakingstages.com website, all kinds of lessons on, on uh, and they're, um, they're segregated into the different stages. So you've got lessons for curious people, and you've got lessons for disciples that are moving towards disciple makers. So, you know, things that maybe, you know, a disciple doesn't need to go over again that a curious person would, uh, you know, would be under the curious person stage. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that we do is we implement the commands of Christ for people when they first yeah. become believers. And that's just a really simple, it's nine of Jesus's most basic commands. It's straight out of scripture. We read scripture. There's specific questions that are asked. And then we set goals based off of that. Um, and I try to encourage our disciple makers and I try to do this myself is uh, we try to spend time going out in the harvest together and actually yeah. doing this stuff and not just turning discipleship into sitting at the coffee shop talking about disciple making and evangelism, but actually doing it and modeling Mm. it for them. Mm. Yeah. I should filter into all every, every should permeate everything you do as a church, right? Yep. So like your Sunday morning setup teams or whatever your ministry departments are, you know, we have five at fellowship Pickering, like all your, if, if you just, if you silo all these things away from each other, you're not doing yourself any favors. You, you need to find ways to, because to, a good disciple, somebody who's following obeying Jesus goes into the harvest, but they're, 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 they're also actively involved in serving and engaged in their service of the church. That's right. So um, helping them see if you, if you do covenant membership, putting that in the pathway, putting, putting all those things in your pathway, don't mm-hmm. just create all these individual little things because you confuse people. Yep. Well, our baptism spiked after doing this when we just said baptism yeah, is right. a next step in our our path. And we, uh, you know, we have a lot of adult baptisms, even yeah. more than kid baptisms because yeah. of yeah. something like stages. Yeah. 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 Amen. So, you know, I say define it, um, find your pathway, find your process that's loyal to that pathway. Don't let it betray it. Don't, don't make it a pulpit process, you know, make it a personal discipleship process. Um, I think build a good on-ramp, just have people uh, give them easy first steps to get involved and then find ways to cultivate stories because stories do all the work for you. They help define disciple making. They help, you know, advertise the path. They help people understand the process. They help people take their next steps when, when you're just constantly telling stories from people traveling that, that pathway in maturity in Christ. Right? That's good. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, Sabo, man, thank you so much for taking the time out to to talk discipleship with us, man. It's been such yeah. a blast, and, and I hope that our listeners have enjoyed it. Um, and we want to thank you guys for listening to this week's episode and uh, want to remind you to make sure you head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com, and there you can listen to other episodes. Uh, we've got blog posts up. I, myself, Jared, uh, I'm doing a lot of writing on the website, and you can also find the Good show stuff. notes there uh, on the website where you can get the links to Disciple Making Stages website or the contact information for myself or Matt or Saba if you've got any questions. And we'd love to help you implement this uh, in your church. And, uh, you know, we're, we want to be able to serve and just give away what God has blessed us with here. Uh, and so we'd be happy to do that. Also, we need your help getting the word out. 
So if this podcast has been beneficial to you, if this episode has been helpful to you at all, uh, then can you do us a huge favor and jump on to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher? Uh, we're on all three of those platforms. Whichever one is your favorite and subscribe uh, and then give us a rating, five-star ratings only, please, and then leave a written review. Uh, that really helps us. It gives us vis- visibility and it's going to help get the word out about this podcast so that we can get it into the hands of more planters, more people on planting teams, uh, and we can bless more people. Uh, So we'd be extremely grateful if you would do that for us. Uh, We will be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planters.